series and a word spoken in due season. A word spoken in due season, the Bible says, how good is it? How good is it? It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Today I want to bring a healing word to the hurting Christian. A healing word to the hurting Christian. You know, I just take my hat off to people who come to church in this kind of heat. I'm very thankful for you. It reminds me of the story of the golfer, or really the, actually the pastor who was a golfer. A lot of pastors golf. I don't golf. Here's the sin. I live on a golf course and don't golf. Some of you need to lay hands on me because something's wrong with me. There was a pastor who woke up one day. It was beautiful outside. He said, you know, I just can't go preach today. This is a golfing day. So he called the secretary and said, you know, have the associate fill in for me. I'm going golfing. And so off he went. said, don't tell anybody. She said, I will not. So he went off and headed for the golf course, got out there, hit a few holes and came to the sixth uh, hole and, and drove that golf ball. And as he hit it down the range, it sliced, hit a tree, bounced off a tree, rolled into a creek where a turtle was just rising to the surface. It got on the turtle's back. The turtle swam to the shore. The golf ball came off, fell onto the ground where a squirrel ran up, grabbed it, ran it to the green, dropped it, and it rolled for a hole in one. Now, Gabriel's up there, and he's saying, God, I just can't believe you blessed him. There he is, a preacher. People needed to be saved. And there he goes golfing when he should have been preaching. How in the world could you give him a hole in one? And God said, ah, but who can he tell? See, for a golfer who gets a hole in one and can't tell, that's torture. All right, let's read Isaiah 42, verse 1. This is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Verse 3, and this is my text. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, there's a lot of Christians who are hurting. We pray for a healing word to the hurting Christian, not only here, but by tape. You will let these tapes go all over this city and touch people who are hurting and need to be healed. We thank you, Lord, for your healing on them and on everyone in this room. Now, if you're a hurting Christian today, would you just breathe a special prayer and say, Lord, speak to me. Just speak to me. Because the word of the Lord heals. He sent his word and healed them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me talk to you about this for a little bit today. I love the word of God. I've been spending a lot of time in the word of God, especially in the Psalms. I want to take this text. How interesting. Speaking of Jesus, a bruised reed he will not break. And smoking flax he will not quench. Now, a reed, as most of you know, is a tall marsh plant with a wood-like stem resembling a bamboo shoot. They're usually seen poking up out of the water in a pond or marsh. You look out there and you see these reeds poking up. And that's what he's talking about. And a bruised reed, 
is one that is damaged to the place that it might snap or break if it's leaned on. It's a damaged reed. It's a bruised reed. It's not snapped in half, but it's bruised to the level that if you put any pressure on it, the reed is going to break. It's precarious. It's delicate. It's on the verge of breaking. In essence, that reed has been damaged or hurt. Now look what it says about Jesus. It says Jesus will not break. He will not finish what the bruising has begun. Jesus will not break what is bruised. And we've got to understand that one of the enemy's great tactics in our minds against God is to misrepresent God by saying that He's out to get us, out to hurt us, out to damage us, that He's out to do us harm. But notice what it says about Jesus, that that is a lie. That when Jesus sees the bruised, the damaged, the hurting, He does not break the bruised reed. Then He uses another illustration, the smoking flax. Smoking flax refers to the wick of a candle or a lantern that is flickering, just about to burn out. It pictures someone who used to burn brightly. That's who it's really drawing a picture of. Somebody who used to burn brightly had zeal, had joy, had life. But through the harsh winds of trials and trouble, they're barely hanging on, barely flickering. They're hurting. It says Jesus will not quench or put out or snuff out the barely flickering flame of the individual that used to be filled with zeal, but now they're just about to go out, just about to burn out. It reminds me of that song, The Candle Blowing in the Wind. A lot of believers have been blown about, tossed about, have been damaged by life, damaged by trials, damaged by difficulties and vexations, and their flame is just barely flickering, just barely flickering. I want you to notice it says that Jesus is not a destroyer, He is a healer, and He's not an extinguisher, He's an igniter. Jesus lights your fire, He lights your flame, He sets your spirit on fire for Him and for the things of God. And it's the enemy and it's the world that that quenches the flame, that throws cold water on the flame of God. Now, it says that Jesus will not destroy, He'll heal, He will not extinguish, He will ignite. Can I have an amen in here today? See, some of you are barely flickering, and some of you have been damaged. Many of you have been damaged. And you're wondering what in the world you're going to do about it. Can I give you a word of healing today? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah of God, who was sent into this world to die for our sins, rise from the dead, so that we also can be raised to newness of life. That same Jesus Christ was also sent by God. Look at what He said. He has sent Him to not break the bruised reed and not quench the flickering wick, but to ignite them and to heal them. And the healing presence of God is in this place today. He wants you healed. He wants you restored. He wants you full of life and full of zeal and full of joy. To the bruised reed, Jesus says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. To those who used to burn brightly but now are struggling to stay spiritually alive, He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
He is near you. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows what's put the flame out. He knows what has bruised you. And He came to heal the bruise. I came to preach today. I hope you came to listen because I came with a word of healing. He's not a destroyer. He's a healer. He is an igniter. He's a life giver. Come on, everybody. Read bruising, read bruising circumstances, and zeal quenching trials can come in many ways. Think about it. Discouragement has hacked away at your faith. And you feel like one more blow, one more discouraging thing, and that bruised reed could break. The betrayal of people you trusted in has thrown cold water on the fire of your enthusiasm. And you feel like one more betrayal, one more disappointment, one more disillusionment, and the flame is going to go out. Don't let that happen. Do not let that happen. God has not put your flame out. God has not quenched your flame. That's the world and it's the enemy. And we're here today to see you get relit. God wants you waking up saying, praise the Lord, not oh me and oh my. He wants you to wake up and say, amen, not oh me. He wants you to wake up and look forward to what He's about to do and not dread the day. He is a God of life, a God of the future. He is the Messiah of God. He's a God of vision. He's got a future for you and a hope for you and a dream for you. Don't let the enemy put your flame out. You're closer than you think. The winds of temptation have left you feeling weakened and vulnerable. You feel like if God doesn't come through soon, I feel like a reed shaken and tossed in the wind. I'm afraid I'm going to go down. A shattering loss has left you bleeding on the inside. You're coming to church, but you're bleeding. You go through life, but you're bleeding. You stay in the relationships you're in, but you're bleeding. You wonder when the bleeding is going to stop. I'm telling you, God is a healing God. The bleeding is going to stop. He is going to heal you. He is going to raise you back up. He is going to give you fresh life. Or His name is not the Messiah or Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And it is. You want to shine for Him, but all you can do is hurt. You want to run, but you can only limp. Your soul is bruised. Your joy is almost gone. You're hurting. Now let me talk to that hurt for just a minute. What does the Bible say to those that are hurting? What does the Bible say to those that are bleeding on the inside, who are going through the motions of life, but the joy is gone? And I'm going to tell you folks, our churches are loaded with them. Loaded with them. Hurting people. Bleeding people. Pained people. What does the Bible say about it? Well, in praying about it, I really felt these four words coming into my spirit. I said, Lord, what do you say to hurting believers? And he spoke this to me, and I see it all over the Word of God. Here's what he said to me. And I think this is for somebody, maybe many of you, I think a lot of you. He said, don't stay that way. If you're hurting, don't stay that way. Now let me tell you why. If you stay that way without seeking healing and wholeness, you're going to be defined by your pain. You're going to be defined by your pain. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. The enemy is a real enemy. He's a real devil. He really is out to attack you. He really is out to destroy you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now I'm going to tell you what I do. When the devil attacks me, here's what I do. I preach harder the next Sunday. My wife went in the hospital Thursday night. 
All day Friday and all day yesterday, we were in the hospital with her having chest pains. You know what I did? I said, I'm not going to let this define me this Sunday. What I'm going to do, I'm coming out swinging with both hands. I'm going to kick with my feet. I'm going to preach harder than I would have preached. Because I've learned the devil will hurt you, yes, and he will bring some pains to you, yes, he will bring some woundings to you, because we live in a sin-infected, devil-infested world. But let me tell you something about those hurts and those pains. You can let them define you, or you can let them make you into something you would never have been without them. As for me and my faith and my house, we're not giving pain the final say-so. We are going to give God the final say-so and let him get glory out of the pain. Come on, church. Am I preaching to faith here today? If you stay that way without seeking healing and wholeness, if you stay in your pain, you're going to be defined by your pain. And I got to thinking about the man in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. A book was written about him called The Prayer of Jabez. His name is Jabez. And if you read in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, he's mentioned that one time. It's a little blip on the scriptural radar screen, but what a huge one. Because the Bible says his name was Jabez, and the Bible tells us his name was Jabez. He was named that name, it says, because his mother bore him in pain. So his name meant he who causes pain. Now there's something that will bless you when you get old enough to learn that. Can you see him coming to shoot some hoops? Hey, old pain, come on over. Hey, here comes pain. Hey, pain. Want to play a little basketball? Hey, pain. How about a little football? Hey, pain. What's going on, pain? Especially back in those days when you got a name to name, everybody knew what it meant and names were highly significant. My parents named me Jeffrey. Jeffrey means God's peace or the peace of God. I, they didn't know that. They weren't believers, but I think God saw to it that my name meant the peace of God. Jabez's name meant pain. Pain was his name. Do you know that if you had been named pain back in those days, your whole identity would have been centered in pain? Here's the one that caused his mother pain. Here's the one that brings pain. I'll tell you what, folks, I want to be known as the one that brings blessing, not the one who brings pain. Hey, let's have so-and-so come preach. He brings pain. I'd rather be known as, hey, let's bring so-and-so. He brings peace. He brings healing. But his name meant pain. Everyone knew what his name meant. Here comes pain. There's pain. Now what did Jabez do with that? Jabez had a choice to make. Folks, watch this. He had a choice. He could have let that name define him. Born under a bad sign. Born under a bad name. He could have let that name define him. He could have let it become his identity. He could have let it be the way he was known and who he was known as. But Jabez rebelled in a good way against that name. He refused to allow his name, pain, to define him. Now folks, I'm going to tell you today, here's the wisdom of God for you. Be very careful what or who you allow to define you. You know what I have found? There's a lot of people that want to define you down, want to define you badly, want to define you negatively, let me tell you something, there's only one source that you ought to allow to define you, and that's God and His Word. 
God says you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. There are people who will tell you you're just a defeated person and you're always going to be a defeated person. You've been a defeated person since the time that I knew you. You know what? There comes a time when righteous anger rises up inside of us and we need to say, you know what? I'm not receiving the defining that is coming to me this way. I'm not going to receive the defining that comes into my mind that tries to beat me down, sell me short, and define me down. I'm only going to let the Word of God and my Creator define me. And so it says Jabez looked up and Jabez prayed a prayer that I pray all the time. And I haven't even read the book, but I pray it all the time. He said, Lord, I've been named pain. If I don't do something about this and we don't do something about this together, it's going to follow me all the days of my life. And so God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm asking you, first of all, to bless me indeed. Now that's more than bless me. He said indeed. I don't want to be blessed. I want to be real blessed. Bless me indeed. Bless me where nobody can say he had not been blessed. Bless me where everybody will see that though my name is pain, I've been blessed by God and I'm not going to be defined by my pain. Folks, you know what? Be bold enough to wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, and I mean pray it with all the grit that's in you. Pray it with all the strength in you. Pray it with all the faith in you. I think we ought to try it now. Listen, you've got to get mad at the devil, mad at the world, mad at what the enemy's trying to do to you and say, bless me indeed. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's, let's have workshop. Show and tell right now. Are you ready? At the count of three. One, two, three. Bless me indeed. Hmm. That rattles. Now here's what he's saying. Lord, I want to reverse this curse. I'm not going to be known as pain causer. I'm not going to be defined by my pain, by my hurt. Don't you know he was hurt that his mother named him pain? Don't you know the rejection that followed that? The ostracism that followed that? Don't you know the way that made him feel? But he said, no, no, I'm not going to be defined by rejection. I'm not going to be defined by pain. I'm not going to be defined by the opinion of other people. Lord God, I turn to you and I pray, bless me indeed. When you're in pain, turn to God. Then it says that Jabez prayed, and Lord, I pray, not only bless me, but may your hand be with me. Your hand be with me. The hand of favor, the hand of blessing, the hand of goodness, the hand of protection. You know, folks, I'd rather have the hand of God with me than the smile and the amen of every president and king in this world. Because if the favor of God is with you, if the hand of God is with you, let a million devils rise up against you, they will not succeed. Let all of the fleshly men and women turn against you. They will not affect your destiny. We need the hand of God with us. I see the hand of God over this church. You know why we're going to succeed? Because the hand of God is with us. I say that in humility, but I believe the hand of God is with us. We need the hand of God. Now pray it with me, would you? Lord, let your hand be with me. Are you ready? Say it. Lord, let your hand be with me. The hand of favor opens doors no man can open, shuts doors no man can shut. The favor of God follows you around everywhere you go. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. The hand of God is something we cannot do without. We need the hand of God. And then he prayed, Lord, enlarge my horizons. Enlarge my horizons, God. Enlarge my borders. Expand me. Bless me so much with such a blessing 
that I, I, I'm bursting out at the seams, that I've got to enlarge because of the blessing of God on me cannot be contained in this particular arena of life. I need enlargement. And God enlarged him. Then he says, Lord, then I pray, keep me from harm. Now watch how he's reversing the curse of what his mother put on him. He said, Lord, keep me from harm and keep me from harming others. Even though my name is called and means he who causes pain, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm not going to be defined by what she named me. I'm going to be defined by the blessing of God. And so I ask you, Lord, keep me from harm and keep me from harming others. And it says when he finished those four requests, God granted him his request. Now, if he can do that for a man named Jabez, tucked away in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, before the blood of the new covenant was even shed, don't you know that if God be for us, who can be against us? We can pray a prayer like that. God bless me indeed. Let your hand be with me. Enlarge my borders and keep me from harm. And don't let me harm others. And God will grant that request and bless us with a blessing we don't have room enough to contain. Is anybody hearing me today? We've got to overcome the pain by blessing. If you're hurting, take the pain to God. If you're hurting, take the pain to God. With hurt, everything hinges on what you do with it. You're hurting. What are you doing with it? Don't nurse it. Don't wallow in it. Don't fellowship with it. Don't empower it to define you. I find in the Bible when Paul was hurting, he took it to Christ. He said, Pastor, this is so simple. You know what? It is simple, but you know what? A lot of people don't do it. A lot of people who are hurting don't do it. They just hurt in their hurt. The hurting just hurt. They don't take it to God. Something amazing happens when you take your pain to God. Paul took his pain to God. And Jesus spoke to him and said this, My grace is all you need. My power comes to its full strength in your weakness. How weak do you feel today because of your pain? Can I tell you, look up and say, Lord, I just give you this pain. I give you this weakness. And as weak as you feel, he's going to be that strong in your life. He's going to get glory out of your pain. He's going to get glory out of your hurt. Just because you're hurting, the final chapter has not been written. It's never over until God has had his say. Paul responded by saying, more than ever then, I delight to boast of the weaknesses that humiliate me so that the strength of Christ may enshrine itself in me. Paul said, I've made a divine exchange. I'm hurting. Now I'm giving God the hurt. I'm just giving God the hurt. And what he has done, he's given me his strength and his peace in its place. Say with me, don't be defined by your hurt. Be defined by the grace of God working through your hurt. Now if I'm going to hurt, bless God, He's going to get glory out of my hurt. Now, folks, listen carefully to me. If you hurt in your hurt, if you just keep it to yourself, walk around bleeding, playing the violin, cultivating self-pity, being known as the one who is in pain. Oh, here they come. Who's that? Oh, that's the one in pain. Why are you saying that? Because we're going to hear all about it. You know people like that. Oh, we're going to hear all about it. Well, what do you mean? Oh, I've heard it 300 times. Every time they come around, they talk about their pain. Why? Because they're hurting in their hurt. And they're not doing anything with their hurt. They're not giving their hurt to God. If you give your hurt to God, if you turn it over to Him, then He's going to take that hurt. And the Bible promises in Romans 8.28, He's going to bring glory out of that hurt. But here's how a lot of us give Him our hurt. 
I thought about bringing my rod and reel today. I should have. I was afraid I'd hit somebody, in all honesty, so I, I didn't. But here's how we do it. Lord, I give you my hurt. There it is. It's in his hands. Ten minutes later, oh, that hurt. Oh, that hurt. Oh, I'm hurting in my hurt. Oh, that hurt. I'm worried about that hurt. I'm afraid of what that hurt's going to do to me. I'm dying in this hurt. Before you know it, it's all the way back to you. And you're staring at it again. You know what you do with hurt? Really do? There it is in his hand. You pull out the knife of faith and you cut it. And you leave it there. Leave it there. So what? I don't believe he got it. He got it. See what we do. We pull it back to be sure he got it. But you pull it back, then he doesn't have it anymore. You've got it again. Here's what God says. You want me to do something about that or don't you? Sure I do. Well, would you leave it in my hands? Every time I start to even look at it, you pull it back. I'll start moving in your life if you'll leave it with me. Don't hurt in your hurt. Give your hurt to God. And if you pull it back... 300 times, 300 times, give it back until finally it's there. Because God is going to take that hurt and He's going to work something glorious out of it. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read about a woman that I'll, I'll just call hurting Hannah. Hurting Hannah. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Samuel, the very first chapter. Hannah was a righteous woman, but she was barren. They lived in the days of polygamy, legal polygamy, and Hannah was one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. One was Hannah. The other one was called Peninnah. And I really think Peninnah is so appropriate because when I think of Peninnah, I think of a pin that sticks you. And that's exactly what Peninnah did with Hannah. In those days, if you were barren, it was a sure sign in those days, this is the way people looked at it, that it was a reproach. And she was bearing this reproach, but not just because she didn't have children. She couldn't give the husband she loved children, and Peninnah pinned her with it, stuck her with it all the time. And the Bible calls Peninnah Hannah's rival. And it says that Peninnah provoked Hannah severely, severely, and made her miserable. Every day, Peninnah stuck her. When are you going to have a child? I got a bunch. I've given him all kinds of kids. Come on, kids. Say hi to Hannah. And they'd all say hi to Hannah. And here was Hannah, a righteous woman of God. The Bible says God had closed her womb because God wanted to do a miracle. And so there was no child for Hannah. And it began to grieve her and vex her until she was hurting so bad. You can call her hurting Hannah because she could not get relief from the continual harassment from her rival, Peninnah. And there was reproach, and there was pain, and there was hurt. And the Bible says that every year the family went up to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And here is Hannah, and Peninnah, and Elkanah. And one day Elkanah made a stupid statement to her. Hannah was grieving over this. He said, am I not better to you than 20 or 30 kids? Well, the answer was, no, mister, you're not. I need a child. The Bible says this one time she was hurting so bad. Now notice, she had a turning point. She could have hurt in her hurt and gotten nowhere with it. But bitter 
and angry at God and angry at people and defeated. Folks, if you don't do the right thing with your hurt, you're going to end up bitter and angry at God and angry at life, and you're going to die a bitter old person. Not me. Not me. You take that hurt to God and you leave it there and you cut that line, God is going to take it. It says, Hannah, when they arrived in Shiloh this one year, Peninnah had been pinning her all the way there, poking her with her harassment, sticking her with the kids that she had and Hannah did not have. Her hurt was so bad that the Bible says she wept continuously and did not even eat. So they went to Shiloh this one year, and Hannah, so grieved, so hurt, decided to take it to God. She took that hurt to God. It says that she was so vexed by it that Eli the priest, who was standing a ways off, looked at her, and because she was so vexed by it, assumed that she had been drinking. He walked up to her, and he was one to talk. Both his boys were doing it, and he was doing it, and here he comes up to her, and he says, you know, you really shouldn't ought to be drinking when you come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but he started preaching at her and condemning her. And she just looked up and said, I'm not drunk. I'm hurting, hurting, and I'm giving my hurt to God, and I'm hurt so bad, it's making me stagger. I'm hurting. What do you want? I need a child. I want my reproach rolled away. I want, I want God to answer me. I want to give my husband a child. And if he'll just give me a child, here's what God was looking for. If he'll just give me a child, I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Eli said, done. After all those years of hurting and rejection and reproach, she conceived. And Samuel, came out of her pain. Do you know that God will bring a Samuel out of your pain? If you give the hurt to God, well, what do you mean, Pastor? What's a Samuel? A Samuel? Samuel took away her reproach. Samuel became the priest over all of Israel. Her little boy one day anointed David to be king of Israel. He ruled as the priest and the voice of God over Israel years after years and more years and years on end. For many, many years, he was the voice of the Lord to the entire nation. And through that little boy, God brought justice and glory and a kingdom. And it all came out of her pain. Because she took it to God. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you're hurting, you can hurt in your hurt and leave it there and die in your hurt and suffer in your hurt, wallow in your hurt, or you can take it to God and say, all right, all right, all right, there's nothing I can do about this but give it to you. I'm giving you my hurt. I'm giving you the rejection. I'm giving you the perplexity. I'm giving you the bleeding. I'm giving you all of it, Lord. I'm hurting. And I'm going to tell you what God will do according to Romans 8, 28. Somewhere, somehow, in time, God will give you a Samuel out of your pain. He'll teach you something. He'll minister something to you. 
He'll bless you in some way you'd have never known apart from that hurt. God never wastes a pain. Never. Now I'm going to tell you one other thing about hurt. I'm going to close. Give God time to work. Well, I gave my hurt yesterday. I'm still hurting today. What's the deal? No, you know, God, He moves slowly, but He doth move. He moves slowly. You give Him that hurt, now it may be a week, it may be a month, it may be a year, it may be years, that out of your hurt, He's going to bring glory. He'll sustain you all the while you're still hurting. But my question to you is, have you given God time to work? Well, I've given Him my time. My gosh, where is He? Now, your 1159 and His 1159 are not the same. Your 1159 is McDonald's, jack-in-the-box, microwave. You, uh, hey, I used the microwave probably six times yesterday. When my wife is not there, I microwave everything. I live on microwave stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to microwave blessings and microwave Samuels, they don't exist. You've got to give God time. Give him time. What's time? As long as it takes. Well, I don't think I can take it. Yeah, you can take it because he's not going to give you anything you cannot handle and grace you to go through. But you've got to give him time. Give it to him and give it to him and give it to him. There are some things in my life right now that are in the hands of God. And they are not microwave. But I'm believing that out of hurt and pain, he's going to bring Samuel. I read Paul getting ready for this. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Red letters. He spoke to Paul. Jesus spoke right to him. And I thought, well, what was Paul's Samuel? Well, it was a lot of things, but one of them, his Samuel blessed me because I got a word in my hurt from Paul that came to him in his hurt. Why don't you say with me, somebody is waiting on the other side of my hurt. See, God's going to give you something in your pain. You're going to meet somebody down the road, a divine encounter, and they're going to say, man, I'm hurting. Well, how are you hurting? Well, I'm blah, 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 blah. And they're going to describe something. You're going to go, you know what? I know exactly what you're saying. And God ministered this to me when I was there. And there comes Samuel. Blessing people out of the valley of your pain. Say, God will always be on time. Not your time, at his time. And so you just give that hurt to him and let it be a seed in the hands of God. Just in closing, Kathy and I were out the other day and we walked up to this one place and it was just a solid cement ground. In the middle of that cement ground was poking up a flower right out of the cement. I said, this requires an explanation. I, got, I put my glasses on, I got down and looked at it. Couldn't see a crack in the sidewalk. It just poking right up out of the sidewalk. And I thought, now God wanted me to see that because out of the hardness and the difficulties of life, God will sow a seed, a beautiful seed in the middle of your pain. And I want you to know, folks, in your pain right now, the seeds of your deliverance and the seeds of his glory are already sown in the ground all around you. You just have to give it time. Out of the ground, this seed ended up being stronger than cement. And this little flower, just saying, praise the Lord. I made it.
So let's stand together, and I want to promise you the seed of God is going to make it out of the cement of your difficulty. Amen? How many of you believe in divine encounters? Do you? You run across somebody and you say, oh, isn't this a neat thing? I can't believe I ran across you. We'll believe it. Because God sets up divine encounters. You know what I'm going to pray for us today? First of all, for the hurting. How many of you needed this word today? Most everybody in here. Do you mean Christians hurt? I want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for a divine encounter. Because I'm going to tell you something. This is the tip of the iceberg of what's in this city. With hurting, needy people. And I'm going to believe that this week, you're going to encounter one person who's going to need what you have learned. And I want you to invite him to church. Somebody invited you, or you wouldn't be here. So let's do it. Let me just pray for the hurting first. Raise your hand if you needed this today. Lord, it's hard to give hurts to God when they really hurt. But where else are we going to go? So we give to you the hurt. Now, Lord, as we give you the hurt, we cut the line. We're going to leave it in your hands. And Father, we believe for a Samuel to come out of it. A Samuel to come out of it. A blessing. A vindication. An obvious answer from God. A blessing to other people. A Samuel is going to come out of our pain if we take it to God. Now I want you to say with me, Lord, I give you my hurt. And I receive the grace of God I am not going to let pain define me. But the grace of God will define me. And so, Lord, I cut the line and I leave it in your hands right now. Now pray, give me a Samuel out of this. Come on, pray, church. Go ahead and just lift it up. Some of you need to really pray. Give me a Samuel out of this. Give me a Samuel out of this pain. A Samuel out of this hurt. A glory, a testimony of the living God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.